uh, just being good to us. Uh, Lord, you uh, uh, you really uh, have called us out of the darkness and into light, and I do pray that you would um, just use uh, our testimony uh, in the world to bring uh, glory to you. Uh, Lord, we know that you are uh, drawing all men to you uh, every day. Uh, through the circumstances in their life, through uh, the things that are happening uh, in the world around us. So, uh, Lord, I do pray that you would use us as uh, just a tool to uh, continue to help uh, draw those people in. Uh, we all know uh, that, uh, that a personal relationship with you is, is radical. Uh, it, is, uh, it is life-changing. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would just use us and our testimony uh, to bring glory to you for those things. And, uh, Lord, I do thank you for the Passpoint class. There's a lot of people doing a lot of things, and we're really busy. And I do pray that we're busy about your business. Pray for those who are in the ministry even this morning. Uh, just serving. Uh, pray for those who are out on vacation and traveling. Pray for Chris and Abby as they travel back. Just uh, safety. I pray for the girls and uh, as they travel. I do pray for um, Brady and uh, just his family as they're uh, just bereaved at uh, the loss of his grandfather. Lord, I do pray that uh, you would use the, uh, uh, the funeral as an opportunity to get the gospel where it needs to go. Lord, and I do pray you just keep us safe this weekend. Um, a lot of things happening, and I do pray that we just uh, really would celebrate um, the, the fact that we live in a country uh, that, that is just uh, amazing to live in. And so, Lord, you've blessed us beyond measure, and uh, I do pray that uh, you would just get the honor and glory. I pray you just speak through me today. Uh, in Christ's name, amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. So we got started on this last week. Uh, I'm going to pick up. I'm going to kind of do a little bit of review, and then we're going to finish this up. Uh, so most of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 5, or at least what it's about. Uh, it's a chapter that no, we don't usually spend a lot of time camped out in because nobody really wants to talk about this kind of stuff. But uh, that's where we're at, and that's why I like teaching through uh, just entire books of the Bible because you don't skip over the things that nobody wants to talk about. That's where we're at, and that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to hit. And so uh, you might be thinking, uh, and if you weren't here last week, you'll, I'll get you caught up, but you, you might be thinking, well, why, are, why would we talk about something like this? So uh, if you didn't know, First Corinthians chapter 5 is talking about fornication in the church, and so I'll hit on all of that, but uh, just open uh, sin in the church. And like, why would we talk about that like in a Bible hour, <clears throat> right? And well, because we're going to, we're going to teach through all of the Bible, not just the parts that we want to. And because there's a lot of things that we, as the body of Christ, can learn from something like this. Not so much on the fornication fact, but uh, how we do things when something like this is going on. And we all are responsible for different parts and pieces of this as far as what we do and the steps that we take moving forward. And so, uh, with that being said... Uh, we got started last week. I got uh, four points for you. And so uh, the title was uh, Gray is Our Favorite Color, right? Because we live in a culture where we don't really want anything absolute. Uh, we want to uh, skate uh, on the edges. We live in a, uh, a society of, um, you know, no absolutes. Nobody really wants to stand firm on anything because uh, if you do, uh, first off, uh, if you do, you, you are uh, just like, black bulb from society you know you can't be that way you can't you can't be that closed-minded but then uh, if you don't if, if you don't have any absolute then well you can live your life however you want uh, with no standard and with no uh, really purpose in the fact of uh, if you don't have a standard of what you're living by and every day is a different well this could go and this could go at some point you will find somewhere in life where you're like well that's probably not okay Right, And so wherever you draw the line might be different. I'm just saying that I draw the line with what the Word of God says. Uh, at least I have something to semi-back up uh, what I believe. Whereas 
anybody else in the world say, well, you can't tell me that I can't do that, and you can't tell me that I can't do that, and you can't tell me that I can't do that. But at some point, you'll say, well, no, you can't do that. Right? Everybody's got some sort of a line where they would say, well, obviously you can't do that. Obviously you can't, and I'm not even going to go down the road of what that is. But what I'm, what, the point I'm trying to make is no matter who you are, there is some sort of a line that says, okay, you can't go that far. And I'm just telling you that in the church, we just simply use the Word of God as to where that line should be. Uh, I'll, I'll always use God's mind over even my own uh, because... We know that God's mind should be our mind. If you're born again, that's how that whole thing works. And so anyway, you know, uh, just, uh, <clears throat> so let's see, uh, no matter the situation, right, even in the church, and I said this last week, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of review and we'll get going. Uh, no matter the situation, we always want to add the caveat, yeah, but what if, right? But what if? I know that that's what the Bible says. I know that that's what the law says. I know that that's what, but what if this happens, right? I know that I'm not supposed to, Speed going down the highway. But what if there's an emergency, right? Or I know that I'm not supposed to, uh, you know, do this uh, as a Christian. But what if this is... We always want to add that caveat, right? And that's just that's because we uh, have sin nature, guys. That's why we do that. And so the church in Corinth was ahead of its time in this area, and that's why Paul takes this chapter and kind of addresses it. Yes, the chapter does address fornication, open fornication in the church, okay? But there's other things that it talks about here that really you as the body of Christ, I'm assuming you're here on a Sunday morning, right on the 4th of July weekend, because you're born again, because you are tracking with what I'm saying. There's things in here for you to know, right? And so we're not just talking about, oh, I'm going to write this chapter off because, you know, I'm not sleeping with my stepmom. That's what the guy was doing, right? So I'm just going to write this chapter. There's a lot of things in here that you can like... uh, you can learn from. And so that's what we're going to do. And so um, here's what we had. We had four rules of engagement for open sin in the church, right? That was your list. Four rules of engagement for open sin in the church. And then I also had four answers to the most common yeah, but what if questions that go with it. Because every time I give you a list, you always have a but what if this is the case. So I just you know filled in the blank for you. So uh, we got through the first two. I'm going to very quickly go through them. So at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, It is reported commonly, that there is fornication among you. Remember, Paul's not here. Paul went, he planted the church in Corinth, uh, and he moved on because he was uh, he was a church planter. He'd already moved on. He was planting churches in other places, but he uh, you know he'd started hearing rumors, right? Uh, I don't think that you know they had the Twitter machine up and running at this point, but somehow uh, along the way he was getting info of what was happening in Corinth, right? They were writing letters, they were doing different things, and so he says he's writing this letter to them. That's what this whole book is. He says it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. So he's like, the lost world don't even do this stuff. I don't know what you guys got going on. Uh, He says that one should have his father's wife. Okay, we talked about that last week. Go back and listen to it. I'm not going to get into this again. In verse 2, he says, And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So the first rule of engagement that I gave you last week is open sin in the church should bring brokenness and action. Right? When you see something like this just openly in the church that somebody's just like, yeah, this is going on and I don't really care. It, if this person is, and just as a, as a kind of caveat to what I'm saying, everything that we're talking about is somebody who is born again in the church. We're not talking about the lost world. And I'm going to really reiterate that on point four. But you need to know that as we go through these. We're talking about somebody who is born again that's a, body, a member of the body of Christ. Man, these, they've been baptized. They're, they're like members. they got all this going on, and yet this is happening. So it should bring brokenness in action. When you see something like this going on in the body, it shouldn't be like, well, I don't want nothing to do with that. 
it should break you, right? Uh, you smash your finger, I promise the other hand is feeling the hurt too, right? They're picking up the load because of it, all the different things. And so we are all one body. It should mess you up when something in the body is broken, right? Uh, I promise uh, you break your leg and the other leg's feeling all the extra work that's going on to it, right? All these different things. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. You're not helping. I said this last week. You're not helping by not helping. If you know something's going on and you're like, you know what, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. <coughs> you're not helping them by not helping them, right? I'm, I'm just telling you. And you go back and listen to last week. I, I elaborated on this a lot. I need to keep going or we won't get done again today. So the question should not be, am I going to do something, but rather, what am I going to do? What, what, what can I do to help? What should I do? What can I say? You know, if you know this is openless, so uh, that should be the thing. And so here's your what if question that goes right on with that. So but what if it really has nothing to do with me and doesn't affect me? Do I really need to get involved in this? If it has, like those people there in that other ministry, <clears throat> you know, I pass them in the hallway at church, but I don't, I don't really know nothing about them. By turning a blind eye... You're, you're an accessory to murder, right? Just be, there, in the law of the land that we live in, if you know something about something and you don't come forth and say it, you're guilty as charged because you didn't elaborate on the things that you had, right? Uh, it would be similar to <clears throat> Kendra's a nurse, right? Now, she might know something about a patient, and if she doesn't do something about it, like, yeah, but it, you know, I'll wait till the doctor gets here. Like, well, they might die before that. You have to, you're obligated in the job that you have to do something about it. At least tell somebody about it to move on. It doesn't mean that you have to be the lone ranger and go solve the problem on your own. Sometimes it's just speaking, like just saying something, right? And we'll get into that. So uh, people who ask the question, or people who ask this question, this question of, it doesn't have nothing to do with me. Do I really need to get involved? They don't really understand that the church is more than a building, Right? They see the church as somewhere that they come on Sunday morning and that's it, right? The church is the body of Christ. This is like the part of what you're inheriting in heaven, right? You are the bride of Christ. When you see this going on and you're like, yeah, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, that's like saying, uh, well, I broke my toe, but, you know, it really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of my body. So I'm just not going to do anything about it. Like you have to do something, right? You have to understand that the church is more than just the building. You have to. It's part of what we do. So people who ask this question, they don't really understand that the church is more than just a building. Okay. So moving on, like I said, I'm trying to move quickly because I talked about all this last week. So verse 3, Paul says, For verily, for I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit. So he's like, I'm not even there. I know what's, I've heard what's going on. I'm not even there. And I already know what needs to be done, and y'all are there, and you haven't done anything about it. So he says, uh, For I, verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's like, I'm not even there, and this is what needs to be done. You guys should have figured this out. He's like, In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what he says to do. Uh, when you're gathered together in my spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so I know there's a lot of you guys who weren't here last week, and so I do want to take just a little bit of time before I get into the new stuff about what this means. This doesn't mean that, well, if they're going to live in open sin, then they're no longer a part of the body of Christ, that they are, you know, banned from the church forever. That's not what this means. This doesn't mean that they, you know, we're, we're revoking their salvation and that they, they have to go on forever. It's not that at all. What they're saying is... There's a standard in the body that we live in. And he goes on later to elaborate on what he's talking about. And when we let a little bit of sin in, it like envelops everything. 
He, he likens it to leaven here in a minute. And so, you know, when you're cooking with bread, you know, if it's unleavened, it's not going to rise. But if you put just a little bit of leaven in there, it like makes the whole thing rise. Okay, so that's the, the comparison what he's saying. So when he says that we're going to, if they're going to openly do this and not have any repentance, then we will deliver such a one unto Satan. Meaning, we don't want you to do that. We've given you every opportunity to repent. But if you're not going to, then I tell you what, go, you're not going to do it in our house. Right? And as soon as you're ready to repent, you're more than welcome to come back. But he said, and the reason that he says it, and the peop, this is the part that everybody forgets. This is the part that everybody's like, oh, the church is just so harsh, and they don't. What does it say? It says that to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, then they forget the rest of the verse. It says that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Why are we doing this? Because I'm much more concerned about your eternity than I am in your sinful lifestyle here today, right? I would rather see you go and nosedive into your sin then I would run God's name through the mud and risk, you know, what you have in eternity coming. Because we all know that if you're saved, you're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to be judged for these things, right? I would rather you be at the best place that you can be at that point than to, you know, coddle you through your sin and say, well, you probably ought not do that. But yeah, you're, you're definitely welcome here. But, you know, that's probably not really what the standard... No, there is a standard. And we give you, and we'll talk about quote-unquote church discipline here in a minute because there's a there's a formula a format that we use and it's very clear and concise and so we'll get into that so anyway uh your second uh uh whatever it was rule of engagement for open sin so uh open sin should bring consequences that are viewed with eternity in mind and i told you last week i don't really like that word consequences but that's like the only thing that came to mind it should bring some sort of action that we're going to stand by that we view with eternity in mind. I'm much more concerned about your eternity than I am with what you're going through right now, right? I, I am. I, I likened it last week to uh, having uh, maybe a, a completely rebellious child. And you might be like, you know what? You are more than welcome to be here, but you're not going to do X, Y, and Z. You can't do that in my house. Like, and so there has to be some sort of standard. You get to make the choice. It's no different with somebody who's living in open sin in the church. I'm not telling you you have to leave, but what I'm telling you is that if you're going to continue to do this, you can't do it here. So, I mean, like, you get to decide what happens, but it's all on you. We have to understand that this life is, is just but a vapor, man. It, it's like a blink. So if, if we try to, like, get so caught up and worked up about the things of this life, you don't understand, like... We have eternity forever. Like you can't even begin to wrap your mind around what forever means because you don't understand what forever means. You think that a year is a long time, right? We're talking about for I'm I'm more concerned about eternity than I am your petty little life. The same thing with myself, right? Everything we do should be done with eternity in mind. Everything. When you minister, when you disciple, when you go to work, right? No matter what you, everything we do should be done with eternity in mind. With how is this going to affect my eternity? How is this going to affect the judgment seat of Christ? Everything we do should be done with eternity in mind. And I use the, the example, right, of, you know, you might know, like, you, you go to war. I used this example, example last week. You go to war and, you know, you get blown up and, like, your arm's all hanging off. And, like, we know that if you don't do anything about it, it's going to, it's going to bleed out and you're going to die. Or what we could do is we'll cut it off, we'll give you a, a prosthetic, and you'll be able to live a life, Right? It's the same thing in the church, right? Uh, this kind of sin has blown up in the church, and like we've got part of our body, whatever part of the body you are, I don't know which part of the body, you're just like all hanging there, and it's all mangled, and it's a mess, and everybody looks at it and like, well, that's gross, right? Well, that's what's happening here. Like, you can't look at this situation and be like, 
oh, that's normal. Like, that's gross. What is happening here? Okay, and so what are you going to do about it? it? It's better to amputate it and let the body survive than to allow it to kill everyone, right? Does that make sense? That's kind of the, the point that we're trying to make here. So uh, you got to stop the bleeding, right? And that's what we do. That's, you know, I'll talk with someone about that at the end. You know, that's where the pastoral team and kind of how we do quote-unquote church discipline works because, you know, we just try to stop the bleeding. We give every opportunity to fix the problem first before we have to do anything. But, yes, you're exactly right. Sometimes you just got to stop the bleeding and evaluate what needs to be done next. So, anyway, it hurts, but it saves your life. And then here's the, yeah, but what if. So, what if their sin is not really, quote-unquote, open sin? So, everybody knows it's going on, but if you ask them about it, they're like, oh, no, that's not happening. Okay, well, here, you know, the church has a structure for this. We talked about this last week, okay? It's not your job to be like, well, you guys are in sin. That's not how it happens, okay? I promise there's a structure in the church that you don't need to be involved in as far as like getting in the middle of something like that. God has a way of bringing things to light. Just understand that. God has a way of bringing things to light. Uh, Don't become part of the problem by overlooking the problem though, okay? If you see something, we talked about this uh, last week, but if you know something's going on, right, there are people that maybe you should say something to. Uh, apply for the most part for or, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 18, right? The first thing to do would maybe go to the person and just be like, hey, uh, this is, I heard this is going on. Uh, you know, is it maybe, you know, instead of running to everybody and talking to everybody about it, just go to the person and hear what they have to say. If they're like, nah, it ain't happening. Okay, at that point, it's not for you to worry about, okay? Now, if, if nobody else knows about it, I promise, sometimes uh, the leaders are the last ones to know. Like, you might at least mention it to, you know, Matthew 18 goes on to say, if, if, if the brother who's offended you uh, doesn't want to do anything about it, uh, go with another witness. That would be maybe your uh, pastor, something like that. There's, so there's a structure is what I'm getting at. If you have questions about exactly what that looks like or the, yeah, but what if, like, this is the situation going on? Like, I understand these are sticky situations, but we do have a structure, I promise. So, uh, Anyway, so moving on, let's get to some new stuff here, because if you were here last week, you're like, I've already heard all this. Okay, so uh, verse 6, he says, your glorying is not good, meaning the church. The church is like, yeah, but we love them anyway, and, you know, this is what we think we ought to do. He says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our our Passover, is sacrificed uh, for us. How far am I going here? Uh, go on. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So what he's trying to say here, and I'll get to your point here in a minute, but he's, what he's trying to say here is you guys are like glorying in the fact that you're like, yeah, but we love the guy anyway. You know, and there's churches today that uh, want to take certain uh, social issues that are going on and they want to say, yeah, but we love him anyway. Just, just come on in and uh, you guys can figure out what I'm talking about because there's a lot of different things that we could be. T- okay. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, God loves the lost more than I ever would. Um, But remember that this chapter is talking about brothers in Christ. We're talking about somebody who is saved. We're talking about somebody who has professed Christ, said he changed my soul. There, At some point in their life was evidence. There was fruit of salvation. uh, And then they just fell off. They fell off the wagon. They, They backslid is what we call it, right? And they are just openly in sin. So understand that He's saying, you guys are glorying in the fact that, yeah, we love him anyway, but that's not what the Bible says to do, is what Paul's saying. And he says, don't you understand that a little leaven 
leaveneth the whole lump. Don't you understand that a little sin in the body is going to make the next person say, well, if this guy can do this, why can't I do this? And then the next person is going to be like, well, if he can do that, why can't I do that? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It, it, it's not good is what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, just because I understand what they're talking about, uh, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that uh, you may be a new lump, uh, as you are in level for uh, Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. And he goes on to say, therefore, let us keep the feast. Understand that uh, they're still kind of on a, uh, they're still going on the, the Jewish calendar, and so the feasts are coming along, and they have a structure when they do things, okay? The, we would compare this to maybe the Lord's Supper, okay? So keep the feast, meaning come together as one body. Now, do we come together as the Lord's Supper, knowing that there's open sin in the church, and be like, ah, it's okay. No, we use the Lord's Supper as a way to what? Uh, make sure that we as a body are one. And if there is an issue, that's what we use. We use the Lord's Supper time clock to take care of issues like this. Uh, I'll explain how that works at the very end because uh, I want to make that as clear as I can. I've referenced it several times. But what he's saying is when he says, therefore, let us keep the feast, meaning let us all come together as one. And what does he say? Not with old leaven, Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Not with all your messed up lifestyle, not with all your sin that's going on, but what we're going to do is we're going to do it through the love of Christ. The only thing that was unleavened, which was the blood of Christ. The only thing that was true, was pure, which was what? The blood of Christ. That's the only thing. I promise you might think you're really good, but you're not really that good at all. And so you're very leavened. And so... The only way that we can come together as one is in the power of Christ. That's the example that he's using. And so, number three, the third rule of engagement um, as far as uh, what we do with open sin is open sin should bring a sense of unity to the body instead of division. Now, you might hear that and be like, what? Open sin should bring a sense of unity to the body instead of division. Too often, something like this happens, and you get two sides. You got maybe three. You got the side that's like, okay, this is what the Bible says we need to do, and we need to get it taken care of because this is going to mess up the entire body of Christ. That's what it says in the Word of God, right? And we want to stick to it. You get the other side of the body that's like, don't you think we should just love them, though? Because if we, you know, call their sin, sin, then that might run them off, and they may never come back. Okay, Okay, well, obviously that line of thinking is messed up because you, know, you could do that through your entire life, but you can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. And then you get the third camp of people who are just kind of like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just going to stay out of it. Okay, well, I promise there's only one line of thinking. And so uh, open sin should bring a sense of unity. And here's what I mean by that. When everybody has a map, we all know where we're going, right? When everybody has the instructions, we all know how to play the game. It's not like, as the pastors, you know, we're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Don't ask questions of why we're doing it. This is what we got to do, right? That's what cults do. We took, uh, the HBI guys, HBI guys and gals took an entire class about uh, different cults and religions, and that's what these cults do. They say, this is what we're going to do, and when you ask why, uh, they, like, condemn you, and they say you should just believe, stop asking questions, right? I like it when people ask questions because it allows me to open the Word of God and be like, hey, this is what it says. And then, you know, you have people that are like, well, I don't believe the Word of God. Okay, well, let's just set this to the side. Uh, can you not take my life, for an example? Right? And people are like, yeah, well, you choose to live that way. You're right. Today, I do choose to live that way. I had this conversation with somebody just recently. I don't even remember where it was. But, uh, you know, I, I do choose day in and day out today to live this way. And so people would be like, you get, to, you get that choice. What I'm telling you is when I went from, like, this moment to that moment, 
like this minute to that minute from being the way that I'd been my entire life and all of a sudden the, the switch was flipped and I was able to do something that I was never able to do before to live in a way, to not talk in a way, to not think in a way. Like that wasn't me just choosing to do that. That was something more than me. I understand that today in my life, the way that I do things for the most part is because I know that's what the Word of God says to do. But I'm telling you, the power of the Spirit of God coming in my life and allowing me to do something that I couldn't do before, like, that isn't just me choosing to do that. That was me saying I surrender and God doing it for me. So, you know, I always want to go to the Word of God, but when anybody's like, well, I don't believe that. Okay, well, you're just going to tell me that what happened in my life was a lie? Like, I was there. Like, I saw it happen. Ask my wife. Like, she didn't even like me. And then she was like, well, now I guess I kind of have to like him, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, that's how this works. And so anyway, that argument doesn't hold water with me. So anyway, it should bring unity to the body because when something like this goes on, it shouldn't divide us. It should, it should show how unified we are with what the Word of God says to do, no matter what the situation, even the hard things. When somebody sees that the church is unified in the hard things, that the church knows what to do when the sticky situations arise, then they know that, you know what, that's somewhere that I can fit in because if they can do that through the hard times, like that's where I want to be through the rest of my life as well. You know, they always, they always know where to go, how to do it. And so it should bring unity. When everybody's got a map, we all know where we're going. You go on vacation with your kids and like, are we there yet? Here's a map. Read it. Like, you tell me, are we, are we there yet? We all know where we're going, right? This is, especially when the kids were little. I, I remember when I was little, we used to go, this is back before we all had phones with maps on them. And I remember we'd go on vacation and my dad would like go and buy one of the big atlases. They don't even sell anymore, but they used to sell them at Walmart. It was the big ones. Right? Do they still sell them? Okay, well, now everybody uses their phone. But he'd be like, this is where we're going. You can follow on the map, right? Don't ask if we're there yet. <laughs> Don't ask how much longer. Like, you figure it out, <laughs> right? And so I, I remember that. When we all know where we're going, when everybody's got a map, we know, how, we know what to do. And I promise, guys, uh, we've all got a map. If you ain't got one, I'll get you one, right? And it won't even be one that we made at the church. I'll, I'll go and buy you one, like, if you want one. You know, I need to buy myself one. It's falling apart, but... <laughs> It's hard, to, it's hard to let it go. Anyway, uh, remember this. Your opinions, and now I understand this might offend somebody, but your opinions do not and will not ever supersede God's truth. You're all, everybody's got an opinion, right? There's a saying about that. We've all got opinions, and you can fill in the blank. But uh, your opinions do not and will not ever supersede God's truth. You might have convictions. You might have, like, I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, you will answer for what the Word of God says. At one of two places. The great white throne and the judgment seat of Christ. One or the other. Where, which one is up to you. But I'm telling you, this book will be the standard. And your opinions, they don't and they won't ever supersede God's truth. It doesn't mean that your logical thinking doesn't matter. I think critical thinking is really good in life. You should be able to think for yourself and do things for yourself. But when you think for yourself and do things for yourself... If you're actually doing it with an open mind, it's going to lead you back to the truth. Because if you're somebody who's out searching, you're going to find out that there's really nothing here to find. Right? And then you find out that, um, well, there's got to be more purpose than this. Right? We couldn't have just like, you know, what's the old say? The universe wasn't just farted into existence. Right? It didn't just happen. Like that stuff doesn't happen. So anyway, the point is, so okay, so here's your what if question because this is what people are asking. What if I'm not, quote-unquote, sure if they're really saved or not, right? I've heard this question. I understand what they're doing is completely wrong. What if I'm not sure if they're saved, though? Like, uh, what do I do then? Okay, well, here's the first thing to know. 
It is not your job. It will never be your job. It's really nobody's job to judge somebody's salvation. Okay? Take them at their word. If a person says they're saved, then they're saved. Right? It's just how it is. Right? Now, you might be like, uh, I don't know. Okay, well, Jesus did say multiple times in the Gospels, you'll know them by their fruit. A person can come to me all the day long and say I'm saved, but if you're not acting like you're saved, at some point I'm going to be like, okay, you can come and tell me you're an apple tree all the day long. I'm just telling you there's oranges growing, and I've never seen an apple. Uh, you know, you can tell me all the day long that you want to be a girl. I'm just telling you that uh, anatomy says otherwise, right? If a person claims that they're saved, treat them like they're saved. Now, here's where I would say you need to go against what they say. If a person has said that they're saved, they've lived in the body of Christ, you've seen fruit of salvation, they've been in the ministry, you know, you've seen the power of God in their life, and then they fall off the wagon and they're like, no, I never was saved. I'm going to call BS um, because I saw the power of God in your life. I, I'm not going to just take your I'm not saved, uh, you know, because people will use that at times. They'll get into some sort of sin, and they're like, yeah, I wasn't really saved. And I'm like, that, I, I had a guy that in, in my life that I respected a lot uh, that, that pulled this. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You did all of those things, and, and all of that happened in your life, and you weren't saved. What really happened is you fell into sin, and now you got caught, and you're trying to find the easiest way out of it. Okay, so, but the point is that it's not your job to, to judge if somebody uh, is saved or not. Okay, so... I understand this whole chapter is dealing with that, but that's kind of the what-if question. Uh, Again, here's another key point as to why we do these things. This is why baptism and church membership are important, right? Some people are like, ah, we don't really worry about church membership. You can come whenever you want. That's fine, but I'm just telling you this is why baptism and church membership. When you're on fire for God, you get saved, what's the first thing you really want to do almost always? Like, I'm going to get in the water because I want everybody to know that I'm like they are, right? You've publicly professed that you're saved, and now you're going to be like, nah, I literally wasn't. Right? You, you so much so that you wanted to be a member of this body, right? That's why it's easy to know. If you're a member, I'm going to treat you like you're a member, right? If you never got in the, if you never got in the tank, it makes me think that there's something going on there. And so I understand a week or two or a month or two goes by, but if year after year goes by and you never got in the water, it makes me start wondering, I wonder why they haven't gotten in the water. Um, so not your job to judge, judge the salvation, okay? So here's the, the last point, 9 to 13. So he goes on to say, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Okay, so he's talking about one of the other letters uh, that he has written. So he's probably talking about, I don't know the exact letter, uh, but maybe the, the letter that he wrote to uh, Ephesus or uh, um, uh, the church at Galatia or all that, because these letters got passed around from church to church. So when he says this, because this is the first letter that he wrote to Corinth, so he's not talking about this letter. He's talking about a different one. He says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, it doesn't, the, the sentence doesn't end with a period. He goes on because he's like, hey, there's more than just that, though. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, but with, or, or with the covetous, or with extortioners, or with idolaters, or uh, for uh, then must need you go out of the world. So here's what he's trying to say there. He's like, I told you not to do these, or to hang out with these kinds of people. But what does he say? Not altogether with the fornicators of the world. Notice he says the world. He's not talking about saved people right now. He's talking, I told you not to hang out with these people uh, in the church. But he says in the world, or with covetous, or extortioners, idolaters, for then so must you needs be out of this world. Okay. What he's trying to say is, if you're going to take what I said about not being around fornicators or covetous or these people that have sin in their life, it, if you took that like I was talking about the lost world, 
then you might as well find a different world to live on because that's how lost people live. That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to clarify something he said in a different book when he was like, hey, I told you guys not to to be hanging out with those kinds of people. And he clarifies it again in a minute, but he's like, just so you know, if you're trying to find some lost people to hang out with that don't have any of this going on in their life, uh, you're going to have to find a different world. He says you're going to... What does it say? It says that... um, that for then must ye needs go out of the world. That's uh, King James language for saying, you're not going to find anybody like that living on this rock, right? It ain't going to happen. Lost people do what lost people do. Uh, that's just how it is. Then he goes on to really clarify it. But now I have written unto you, I'm clarifying in the letter I'm writing right now, I have written unto you not to keep company if that man that is called a brother... Those things that I told you, don't hang out, don't eat with, don't do, don't do that if they are a member of the body. I'm not talking about the lost people. You got to go. Well, it, it, you you want to catch a fish? Where you got to go? To the water, right? It, I'm just telling you. Uh, I mean, you might say the restaurant, but somebody went to the water, right? I go to the restaurant to catch a fish, but uh, anyway, like you might say, like I don't understand. He, what he's trying to, you're not going to reach lost people hanging out at church. Very seldom does that happen. You want to reach lost people? Uh, go hang out with Pat Lee and Pastor Brian at the park tomorrow, right? Go into the water. What he's trying to say is, I'm writing unto you now not to keep company if that man that is uh, called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or a idolater or a railer or a drunkard or extortioner with such a one know not to eat. For what, I, uh, for what have I to do uh, to judge them also uh, that are without? Do you not judge them that are then? Uh, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away uh, from among yourselves that wicked person. What he's saying is, I told you not to be around those kinds of people, and you took it like, I can't go out into the world and win people. What he's saying is, yeah, you're going to have to go uh, win lost people. Uh, anybody in here was like, hey, you know what? I really got my life all cleaned up before I got saved, right? No, usually uh, the Word of God catches you right in the middle of what you're doing. Right. Well, usually, there's a there's a verse in the Bible. I can't remember the exact uh, reference, but it says, "When your sin becomes exceeding sinful, like when the sin is even gross to you at that point, that's what that means. Like it's so bad that even you are like, this is really messed up uh, as a lost person. When your sin becomes exceeding sinful, that's when you're like, okay, this, something's got to give. Okay, that's when God reaches you when your sin is just so messed up. What He's saying is, I told you not to to hang out, to be a part of those kinds of people in the body of Christ. If they're going to openly do that in the body of Christ, yeah, there's, there's rules of engagement. I'm not talking about the lost world. Right? I've told you guys this before. If, if, if I'm talking to a lost guy, especially somebody that I know, I, I, I'll just be completely real with them. I'm like, if you're not going to get saved, you better have as much fun as you possibly can in however many years that you've got. Man, you better drink it up. You better do whatever it is that you're into and get it all now because I promise uh, I've got eternity to figure all that out. Uh, you got, what, a few more years maybe? I, I don't know. So like, I'll just be completely honest with somebody because this is all you got if you're lost and you're not going to get saved. You better, you better have it now. Usually that will let somebody know that you must be really serious about what you're talking about. I am. So anyway, here's your last rule of engagement for open sin in the church. Open sin should be treated differently, quote-unquote, in the church and quote-unquote, out of the church. Open sin should be treated differently in the church and out of the church. And I'm not talking about in the building and out of the building. I'm talking about if you're a member of the body, we treat it differently than if you're lost. Right? 
Now, if you're a lost guy who comes to church week after week after week after week, drunk as, you know, whoever, you know, uh, we might at least be like, hey, this is really how we do things around here. Usually a lost person won't come back over and over again, though, because like, dark doesn't like the light, and we shine light into the darkness. And so, But the point is, when there's something that's open in the church and that you're a member of the body, okay, we're going to treat it differently than we would out of the church. Okay, so... Uh, don't expect lost people to act godly. As Christians, we do that. We're like, why would you do that? Well, because they're created to do that, right? Their daddy Adam did that. <laughs> That's why. Don't expect lost people to act godly. Is anybody surprised about the public outrage uh, from the Supreme Court doing what they did a couple weeks ago? Like, people are just, they're, they're pissed off. And I'm like, That's fine. You be mad. Like, at least you're convicted about something. But, like, I, I'm not surprised at all. Why? Because when you shine light into the darkness, people, like, they don't like it. You know, I praise the Lord, this isn't in my, our house is fairly new, we built it, but you go into an old house, right? You go up in the attic. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm saying, you go into an old house, and you, you go into parts of the house you're not around very often, you shine a, a flashlight in the darkness, you might see some things that, like, and those things scatter, man. <laughs> I don't mean, I, old houses, to some people, are really cool. <laughs> Uh, what I'm saying is like unkept houses because it ain't just the house. Unkept houses, like you shine, yeah, whatever. You, you shine a light on some on some cockroaches. What do they do? They're not like, hey, selfie time. No, they scatter, right? Why? Because they're they don't like the light. That's the whole point here. Okay, so don't expect. It, nobody's surprised about what's going on. Do, though, know the expectations from you when a saved person goes crazy, right? So what are the expectations? What are the, th- the couple things that the Word of God says? If somebody is just outwardly living in sin and they're like, yeah, that's what I'm doing, deal with it. What are the, what are the couple things that the Word of God says, okay, this is what you as, as a brother in the body of Christ need to, to do or not do? Well, it's right here, guys. It's right here in the Word, and I, want, I just want to make it clear. Because so, some people are like, I don't really understand that. It says... Uh, um, or he goes on the list and he says, uh, with such a one, no, not to eat. Don't sit down and be like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Right? Don't hang out with them thinking that you're going to love them back into the body. Uh, why? Because there's a structure. And we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about what that structure looks like. So there's, there's a structure. So uh, this is what you, you, the expectations are from you when somebody is you know, placed on, say, church discipline. And we'll talk about what that means here in a second. Not to keep company. That doesn't mean like you see them in, in town and you're like, turn the other way. No, we're not blacklisting them. Uh, there was somebody here recently that uh, this happened to, and I just very conveniently ran into them uh, at, at the rental store uh, renting equipment. And I was just like, hey, man, what's happening? You know, and uh, again, it's like cockroaches. <laughs> and you, know, and you, you got them cornered at that point. I'm like, hey, you know, just so you know, man, we'd love to have you back anytime. You know, just, you know, get it figured out. We love you. You know. That's, that's your job. Now, that doesn't mean when you see them, you turn the other way. It says not to keep company. You're not going to hang out with them. You know, we're, we're not you know, eating dinner with them, those kinds of things. Okay. So here's your what-if question, and I'm going to... or I'm sorry, it's, it's the church's responsibility to judge the church. It's God's responsibility to judge the world, right? So this is where church discipline comes in. That's what I want to talk about. So here's your what-if question. What, what if I really don't know what I'm supposed to do? Shouldn't I just stay out of it? Well, not really, right? What if I don't know what I'm supposed to do? I just told you what you're supposed to do. <coughs> so, you know, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, shouldn't you stay out of it? Yeah, try that with the officer, 
right, that it pulled you over because you didn't use your blinker. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to use my blinker. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, next time make sure you do. Uh, that's not how that works, right? Uh, you know, uh, well, I, expl- explain that to your wife when you're like, I didn't know that I wasn't, you know, supposed to, to, to do that, right? Uh, we've only been married for how long? Yeah, you knew, right? Uh, I, I didn't know, husband, that I wasn't supposed to, like, there's expectations. You, you're accountable for what you know and what you don't know. Uh, you have a responsibility to know God's word. You're going to be accountable for what you know. Understand that. You're going to be accountable for what you know. You're also going to be accountable for what you don't know that you had every opportunity to learn and you just chose not to. That's where some people don't like. You have every opportunity to learn this, this, and this. But you were like, yeah, I don't really want to know all that. So like, you're accountable for the things that you know and the things that you had every opportunity to know, but you just chose not to know. Okay? Again, this is where church structure. So here's, here's how this works. I'm going to take like two minutes and kind of explain. So if somebody in this situation happens, this is where, this is where how we would do it at HBF, because some people are like, I've never heard this before. Um, say somebody uh, is having some sort of sexual sin, right, and it gets kind of brought into light. Uh, so you know, we as pastors meet every week, and we don't like to talk about things like this, but if something like this is going on, we bring it up. We know about it long before anybody else does usually. Sometimes we're the last ones to know. So... Pastor Brian would, in turn, you know, hey, X, Y, Z, whoever you are, uh, what's going on here? And they're like, yeah, well, this is what I'm doing. You know, it's open sin. It's not like I'm maybe am, maybe not. So we give them every opportunity to repent for multiple months. Before we ever come in together at 9 o'clock and Brian's like, hey, we need to talk about something as, as a body because this is going on, I promise they've received no less than a half dozen handwritten letters from Pastor Brian. Uh, no less than a dozen phone calls from Pastor Brian and the other pastors about, hey, uh, what's going on here? Uh, have, and, you know, this is what the Word of God says. You know, are you going to choose to repent? What are you going to do here? You know, and a lot of times they quote unquote church themselves, meaning they just leave. And at that point, you know, they're not in the body. But if they continue to come back week after week, something has to be done. And so uh, we use the Lord's Supper quote-unquote time clock to do this. And so Brian usually uh, will send letters to the person, hey, you know, we're going to come together. We need to make sure we're one body. And he'll let at least one, if not two Lord's Suppers go by before he's like, we're going to have to address this because leaven's going to leaven the whole lump. And so this is how we do it. And then that's how we ever get to, I'm sure most of you at least once have had to, you know, sit in and hear, hey, this Brian, get everybody together at 9 o'clock because it's church business. It's not 1030 kind of stuff. And say, hey, this is going on. Um, you know, if this person just wants to kind of hang out, you just need to, you know, love them back into the, the body of Christ. You need to point them back to, you know, repentance and things like that. So there's a reason that we do things the way we do them. It's not to humiliate people. It's never that. Some people are like, why would you do that? Well, because the Word of God says we have to. But I promise, if it ever gets to that point, you have no idea how much grace Pastor Brian has given that person. You have no idea. Like, no less than dozens of contacts, phone calls, like, hey, this is what the Word of God says. You can't, we, we can't do that here. You, you know, if you want to live that way, whatever, but you can't do it in my house. Right? It's no different than with your kids. And so that's how we get to where we're getting. If you have any other questions about that, I'd be glad to like, explain the entire process. But uh, I, do prom- I do promise I've seen it on kind of both sides in some of the, the background of how this all goes down. And don't think that it's ever about, like, I really want to humiliate this person. That person had so many opportunities to repent. And so that's why we do what we do. Because the Word of God says that's how we're supposed to do it. It says at the very end, uh, if that person continues, what's it say? 
therefore, put away that person. Uh, put yourselves away from that wicked person. If they're going to continue to do it, you can't be a part of it. So that's why we do what we do. All right, if you've got questions, let me know. I know it's kind of confusing, but I'm telling you, there's a reason that chapters like that are in the Bible because there's stuff for us as the body that we need to know. You know, we're not trying to like blacklist anybody. We want everybody to be a part of the body. But you can't do that in our house. You can't, you can't live like that in, the, in, in God's house. So, all right, let's pray and uh, we'll get out of here. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, thank you for just uh, being good to us, giving us just all the instructions in the Word, even all the what if this and what if that. God, you, you covered it all. So, uh, Lord, I do pray that uh, you would just use these things and settle our hearts on some issues. And Lord, I pray that we don't have to really have anything like this going on. Um, for, for a long time, uh, Lord. But if we do, I do pray that we, it would bring unity to the body instead of division. Lord, I just pray that these things are clear and concise, um, uh, that they would really settle in our hearts. Sometimes we hear these things and we're like, this has nothing to do with me, but I promise uh, these things do come around and we do need to know how to uh, behave ourselves in, in the church of God. So I pray you just speak through Pastor Brian today as he's preaching. Uh, just gives all the honor and the glory. Uh, keep us safe uh, over the rest of the holiday weekend. And I just pray that you just give us opportunities to get the word of God where it needs to go on time. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.